Let's take our Bibles to Psalm 77. Psalm 77. Superscription of Psalm 77, you'll note that it states, For the choir director, according to Juduthan, a psalm of Asaph. Now that tells us that Asaph is the writer of this psalm. We'll talk about Asaph in a moment. But that it was written for the choir director, so it was written to be sung by the Levites in the temple during times of worship. And it was according to Jeduthun. Now Jeduthun wasn't a man uh, who had been involved in temple worship. Uh, but the psalm wasn't written on the man. The psalm was written on something that was named for the man. So a Jeduthun is either a musical instrument that uh, Jeduthun created, or it's a musical style or tune that had been uh, invented and introduced by Jeduthun for worship. So uh, nonetheless, we know that the psalm was to be sung by the choir. Now Asaph was one of three Levites commissioned by David to be in charge of singing in the house of Yahweh in the temple. And so uh, we have 12 of those psalms written by Asaph recorded in the Bible. Uh, This is one of them. Now we don't know the particular occasion that Asaph penned this psalm, but he was going through some kind of crisis. Now to understand what crisis this may be, we need to look at the fact that Asaph lived during the reigns of both David and Solomon. In fact, Asaph was there the day the temple was dedicated by Solomon. And so if you look at the reign of David and Solomon, there are many crises to which Asaph could have been referring to. He could have been referring to the crisis when David was deposed uh, by Absalom and on the run, and Absalom had desecrated the uh, palace and and so forth, and uh, that could have been the crisis that he was referring to. Uh, It could have been the corruption of Solomon uh, that uh, he was referring to and the national... um, uh, emergency that the nation faced and the eventual split of the nation uh, because of Solomon's sin. Whichever the crisis is, we don't know, but nonetheless, he's penning this psalm in a time of crisis. And what we're going to see in this psalm this evening is that Asaph started out crying out to God in the middle of this difficult trial. And he's going through a range of emotions. But then we're going to see how he comes to a place of having confidence in the midst of a crisis. And to be honest, that's not naturally our reaction. Most people when facing a crisis uh, have their confidence shaken. When people are facing a crisis, they, they, instead of confidence, they have fear. They have worry. They have doubt. They're unsure of things. And in fact, that's a statement we've heard much of lately, you know, due to the uncertainty of things or due to the fact that things are so unsteady or unsure of things. Uh, But here's the reality, friends. As believers, even in the midst of uncertainty, even in times of crisis, we can have confidence. Now, let me look at read verses 1 through 9. My voice rises to God, and I will cry aloud. My voice rises to God, and He will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. In the night, my hand was stretched out without weariness. My soul refused to be comforted. When I remember God, then I am disturbed. When I sigh, then my spirit grows faint. Selah. You have held my eyelids opened. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of long ago. I'll remember my song in the night. 
I will meditate with my heart and my spirit ponders. Will the Lord reject forever? And will he never be favorable again? Has his loving kindness ceased forever? Has his promise come to an end forever? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Or has he in anger withdrawn his compassion? Asaph records the feelings of every individual in the middle of a crisis. And these feelings are recorded as six questions to which he's looking for answers. Will the Lord reject forever? You know, it is hard not to have the feeling of being rejected by God in, the time, in a time of crisis. Second, he asks, will he never show his favor again? One of the difficulties of crises is that it seems like it will never end. How long is it going to last? How long is this going to go on for? It's never going to end. You feel rejected. You feel that things are never going to be good again. The third question, has his unfailing love vanished forever? He's wondering, has the blessing of God's love gone? Are we never going to know God's love again? Next question, has, he, has his promised Failed for all time. You know, one of the promises of Deuteronomy 31.6 was that God will never leave or forsake His people. Christ reiterated that promise at the end of uh, the Gospels when He was giving the Great Commission. He would be with us always. But when we come to a trial, we begin to wonder, has God forsaken us? Has God left us? Next question, number five, has God forgotten to be merciful? Has God's mercy run out? God is a long-suffering God, but has His, has his long-suffering run out? Has His mercy that supposedly knew every day, is it gone? Have we used it all up? And the sixth question he asks, has He in anger withheld His compassion? You know, we in times of a crisis, we sometimes feel like we're experiencing the wrath of God because of the circumstances that we're enduring. And so in the midst of suffering, we, we are going to read about what Asaph did to have confidence in a time of crisis. And the first thing you and I need to do so that we can regain confidence in these times of crisis is to, number one, remember God's past acts. Remember God's past acts. Look at verse 10. Then I said, it is my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. Here we have recorded in verses 10 through 12, Asaph's determination in the midst of, of a crisis. There's three things that he says he's going to do. First of all, he's going to remember the deeds of the Lord. How many times have we repeatedly been instructed in the Bible, particularly in the Psalms, the importance of remembering God's past deeds when we're in distress? Anytime we come to a, a, a time of crisis, anytime we come to a situation outside of our control, don't look at the situation. Don't become overwhelmed by, you know, what's being reported and so forth. No, instead, look to God. Look to what God has done in the past. And remember, what He's done in the past, He can do again in today. And will do in the future. Secondly, He remembered the miracles of God. He remembered the miracles of God. He looks back over the history of God's love towards His people. The followers of God 
in his day, didn't have a specific miracle to look at. So they were looking back at the miracles. They looked back at the Exodus. They looked back at the conquest of Canaan. They, they looked at the various uh, times that God had performed miracles in the past and knew from the past that God could do it again. And then the third thing he does in verses 10 through 12 is he meditates on all of God's mighty deeds. He meditates on all of God's mighty deeds. He thinks of the past. He thinks of the good things that God has done in his life. And that helps him to have confidence. Now, you know, it's by, it seems to be human nature that we want to dwell on the negative problems that are taking place right now. It's easy to dwell on the negative. But we need to move past the negatives. We need to look at the current blessings that we are experiencing in a time of crisis, and know that those blessings, they're from the hand of God. So when we remember God's past acts, when we remember His deeds, when we remember His miracles, when we meditate on His mighty deeds, it's going to move our thinking from our problems to our problem solver. And it's going to give us confidence in a time of crisis. So that we don't need to fret. So that we don't need to be overwhelmed. So that we don't need to sit and think, Oh my, oh my, what's going to happen? Oh, woe is me. We don't need to say that. Because our God is on the throne. Look at verses 13 to 15. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength among the peoples. You have by your power redeemed your people the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. Now to endure the, his suffering, to endure this crisis, Asaph began to recount the attributes of God. He doesn't just remember God's past deeds, but now he remembers God's attributes. By thinking about God rather than himself, rather than his situation, rather than his circumstances, rather than his trials, he gets properly centered to get through the trial. He says God's ways are holy. We need to remember that holiness isn't just about purity. Holiness is how God is above and beyond everything else. So we're not just talking about how God's ways are righteous. Asaph wants you and me to question uh, who we are to God because His ways are different than our ways. He thinks differently than us. So when He's telling us to God, that God's ways are holy, realize God is reacting and relating to this situation far differently than us. God is not in heaven chewing His fingernails. God is not in heaven saying, woe is me. God is not in heaven saying, I'm undone. God is not in heaven saying, what am I going to do? God is in heaven already working His plan. And we are to declare that God is holy. Who are we? Who are we to say we shouldn't have to go through a difficult time? Who are we to say we shouldn't have to go through a trial? Listen, if God's ways are holy and His holy way deems that right now it's important for us to go through a time of difficulty, to go through a time of suffering, who are we to question that? Who are we to say we've learned the lesson, let's move on? That's only for God to determine. Our ways are not God's. But you know what? God knows what we need. And God has promised that He will not test us beyond what we are capable of enduring.
The next thing we see in verses 13 to 15, as we remember God's attributes, is that His greatness is incomparable. His greatness is incomparable. God is able to put His holy ways into action. He has the power to accomplish what He wants, and He will accomplish His purposes. You and I have no control over our lives, and you know, we certainly can't accomplish God's purposes, let alone our purposes. But God does have control over our lives. God does have the power, far above all else, to help us in our times of trial, in our times of crisis. Third thing we see here is we remember God's attributes, not only that God's ways are holy, that God's greatness is incomparable, but God's power is visible. It's visible. Now, folks, it's easy to forget the power of God when we close our eyes to all that God's done. That's why we have to remember God's past acts. Don't forget God's power in creation. Don't forget God's power in salvation. Don't forget about God's power to transform our lives. Don't forget God's power has been at work in you and in me and in us to make us more like Him, more like His Son, to make us holy and blameless. And He will complete it, what He has begun. The next thing we see is that God's work as Redeemer. God's work as Redeemer. Asaph remembers how God redeemed his people. Now, this is a remembrance of the Exodus. One of the earliest times that we read about the need for redemption is in the Exodus and the Passover, which spared the firstborn of Israel. All the firstborn were to die, but God had redeemed them. He spared the firstborn. He saved the firstborn. Israel was delivered from Egyptian slavery. How much more can we bring this to remembrance when we're in a trial? That God has worked great things through our Redeemer. He has delivered us from the slavery of sin. He has purchased us from the death that was owed for our sins. We need to remember that God has done so much for us in redeeming our lives. We need to stay focused on what really matters. That God's spiritual blessings and spiritual workings for us. You want to have confidence in a time of crisis? Remember God's past acts. And remember God's attributes. Change your focus. Remembering God as his Redeemer caused Asaph to think about the great acts of God in redeeming Israel from Egyptian slavery. In verse 16, he records the mighty workings of God to part the waters for deliverance from the Egyptians. In verse 17 to 18, he reminds Israel about the pillar of cloud and fire that led them to deliverance and protected them as they crossed the Red Sea. God led his people through that trial though his footprints were never seen. God was with them through the whole event, even though the people still panicked, believing they were going to die. My friends, God does not leave us to cope with our suffering alone, but he leads to the light at the end of the tunnel. He concludes his psalm, speaking of God as a shepherd who will lead his people by his servants. One of his favorite images that God uses to picture his relationship with us is that of a shepherd. The picture is that God is in charge and we're to follow him. And I can't help but think of David's famous Psalm 23, which speaks of going through the valley in the shadow of death. But you know what? Even if we're going through that valley, even if we're traveling through the shadow of death, God is with us. He's still leading us. Yeah, we're going to go through difficult times. We may even go through frightening times. But God will lead us to the pasture. He'll lead us to the still waters. He'll lead us to the mountaintop. He's still walking in front of us. He's still protecting us from danger. 
so that you and I can have confidence in a time of crisis. Remember his past acts. Remember his attributes. And watch how your focus changes. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this psalm that you've given us this evening. The fact that we can look at, at a man who went through a time of crisis and recorded how he struggled, who re- how he recorded how he got confidence, how you brought him out of his funk, if you will, and how you transformed him, Lord. And I pray for each of us. The Father, as we continue to go through difficult days, as we continue to go through these, this crisis, that, Father, you'd give us confidence. Not confidence in ourselves or confidence in any man, but confidence that you are on the throne, that you're in control, and that you will see it through to the end. We know this because we remember your past acts. We know this because we remember your attributes. Your ways are not ours, but I thank you, Father, that your ways are ever working and you will accomplish your good purpose. We pray in your Son's name. Amen.